You're ready to be premature wow, all over again. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Quick, quick reset. Yeah. Quick reset. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Licking okay. gin balls. It's just going to be a vicious cycle. Who knew the job was pro bono? I was so high that um, I shit myself at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get still here. Somebody, somebody, everybody mute. Goddamn, you're killing me. My SEAL Team 6 went to SEAL Team 12. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with punching above your weight. The fight you get better. Well, I don't know what's worse. You're a ginger or you've been vaccinated. You sit around and drink and solve the world's problems, right? Hey, let's go ahead and unwrap this present <laughs> so, uh, and let the I... debate begin. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is a new week, new episode. We do this each and every time. This is this is not new for you. It's not new for us, but we still enjoy it. And hopefully you do too. We are back for another interesting topic. Glad to be here. The four horsemen are in the studio. Let's waste no time. Let's get started. Gentlemen, how is everybody doing today? Say, can you see by the the dong's Mm -hmm. early light? Right. I am. Max got nothing. Max. I just sit back and wait every week now to see what what kind of fire they're going to bring. If nobody says anything, then you're like, oh, it must be my week. Let me say something. Right. That's right. Shit. Did I I check my text message? That's right. Uh, Glad everybody's here. Happy that you are. Uh, Looking forward to this episode. But, uh, you know, as always, let's go ahead and jump into our drinks, get that out of the way, and then we will go from there. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to just let you guys decide, maybe text back and forth, decide who wants to go first. Who would like to to tell me about their drink? I'm just rock, going. Fuck rock, paper. I'm, okay, going. Look at I'm going. No. <laughs> uh, I'm doing a ginger Collins. Okay. Um, so it it's is, a redheaded I, Collins. Is that what this is? For sure. For okay. sure. Um, the, uh, it, I, I know I like, I don't know. I guess it was a year or so ago. I grabbed a bottle because I said that I'd been looking at this bottle for years. Always wondered what it was. It's that uh, Domaine de Canton, Can- Canton, whatever. It's it's kind of uh, almost like a lemony lime kind of color. It's I, I don't know. It's got the grooves going up the bottle. But anyway, it's a ginger flavored liqueur. And I couldn't remember if I'd done the gold rush before, which is one of the ones you can make with that, but I ended up going with the ginger Collins. So it's uh gin, the Domaine de Canton, uh, fresh lime juice, lemon juice correction and club soda. And it so. is a ginger. What? Ginger what Collins. Gin- ginger Collins. So is this kind of like the Tom, the Juan? Yeah. It's just, I mean, okay. you, you, some club soda, you know, gotcha. you just add the, Whatever this, I almost is. want. I almost want to stop saying the word because I don't even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> the Domain de Canton, <clears throat> Domain Gray Gang, from Hateful Eight. Yes. Okay, um, very nice. All right, Ginger. So my work Fuck. here is done. My work here is done. <laughs> look, I tell uh, you, you uh, you run one episode and and look at you. You think yep, fuck it. it goes to my head. I'll, right. I'll let you guys know. I'm I'll going be back first. In a bit. Discuss your drinks. You know. All right. So we have the Ginger Collins. Uh, I'll go next then. All right. I'm going to go next. Fuck it. <clears throat> So last episode, in case for all you listeners who weren't paying attention, I was trying to come up with something entirely new. And so I decided I would make a drink each week and dedicate it to one of the other members on this show. And last episode, I did 
I don't know that we actually came up uh, old fashioned by Haast, whatever it was, but it was yes. a drink dedicated to Haast. And there were seven suicide bourbons by, in there. Suicide yes. by bourbon. Yes, yes. <laughs> there were seven different bourbons in that drink and it was an old fashioned, but it was made with seven different bourbons. It was blended. So this week I was doing it again, coming back and I got to come up with a drink. So I, I did my usual. I started thinking about a drink. What's going to work? The individual. Does it work for the individual? Does it, does it speak about this person? And one drink, sadly, was not enough. So much like Haas and his seven bourbon old fashioned that I created, I felt like one drink was not enough to encapsulate this individual. So I decided I would make three in one. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm starting with this, which is a glass of ice with a little grenadine in the bottom. And then we're going to take this little gem which is the base of a tequila sunrise, orange juice and tequila. And then we're gonna take this little gym, which is a margarita made with homemade margarita mix. And then now, we're gonna could, take- Could you not find any store-bought margarita mix for that? I could've. <laughs> and then we're gonna take this, which is a Paloma, and we're gonna add that. And it is going to give us what I am calling the Paloma Rita sunrise. <laughs> Three, it is nice and stratified. I'll give you that. It does look pretty. Three iconic tequila beverages all rolled into one beautiful glass. It is the Paloma Rita Sunrise. So it is a Paloma. It is a margarita, just a basic margarita, sweet and sour mix, all that. And then a tequila sunrise. You're, uh, if you'd done it with Mezcal, your garnish could have been like a sock, like a baby sock. <laughs> just hanging over the lip. Like a dirty uh, old Band-Aid. So I imagine there is no guesswork in terms of who this one belongs to. Which so, means there's no guesswork as to who the, the last one, one belongs, belongs to. to. Yeah. Exactly. So, Mag, this one's to you. My very own Paloma Rita Sunrise. So Very during nice. the process of doing all of this, do you get anything done on Sundays after the call? Yeah, uh, I'm just curious. Yeah, Besides passing nap. out, he, he gets count. a nap in. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So that's why you got to be aggressive in the morning because I know yeah. you're at church, which consumes a lot of time in your day. It does. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I actually I started on Friday and I was just like, okay, what am I going to do? And I I actually made one of these Friday because I was like, is this going to work? And could I layer it? So. Yeah, it works. The Paloma Rita Sunrise. There you go. Mac, you got a new drink dedicated to you, brother. Three iconic tequila days. cocktails all rolled into one. Again, I think before you go too much further, you should take a picture of that because that is a pretty, mm. pretty drink. Or now switch to a straw and work from the bottom. <laughs> well, <laughs> I needed to add in a little more because I put in too much of the sunrise. So I need to add in a little of the margarita and the Paloma. Oh, All right, yeah. so we're back. Clearly, that's the problem. We're back. <laughs> um, it's actually quite good. Okay. Um, obviously, I, I took the recipes and I had to cut them down because I knew I had to fit it in a glass. So each recipe is basically half of the original, which is why there's extra. So, um, but yeah, it's not bad. I, I was going to go with store-bought Mac on the margarita mix, but I was like, no, not going to do it. I'm that discussion now. I know, but because it. we have, and you're like, I'm going with homemade now. I, I was like, yeah. I'm going to do homemade, but yeah, it's actually quite tasty. If, if that's what you're into Paloma Rita sunrise. So there you go. All right, Mac, we're going to jump to you. What are you drinking? Um, interesting. And interestingly enough, I Not did go with it. <laughs> a tequila. tequila based drink. <laughs> no, I did go with a tequila based okay. drink. Um, so, you know, you and I talked about, I bought some of these, uh, Zoa energy drinks um, uh, that are uh, kind of, you're just you're just all you, up on the rocks, Wang. 
rocks, you know, sweaty. Um, I just got done finished working out in the Iron Paradise. Oh, nice, uh, nice. Gonna crack open a uh, by Iron Paradise. I mean, taking a nap. Um, crack open a Zoa. So, so I was, I was looking, you know, at some options on things to do with that, and it really wasn't a whole lot. But I did come across a Zoa Mana. So it's basically two ounces of the Terramana tequila. So again, Grinch really leaning into to the whole mm-hmm, rock thing, mm-hmm. um, and then four ounces of the uh, what is this the, the pineapple coconut uh, energy drink, um, poured over ice and you know shake it up, and uh, it's pretty good actually. I, I would it, definitely do know, this again. It's like one of the first or second drinks Haas started with. Just you churched it up a little bit, which was vodka and Red Bull. Yes, <laughs> which he exactly, did not like. Right? This is this is the. Um, this is the Hawaiian newer generations. Yeah. No, there you but go. No, it's pretty good. Uh, I would definitely do this again. Okay. And that's it. It's just those two ingredients. It's those two ingredients. It's like I said, two ounces of the, uh, and I would imagine again, you could use any tequila. Um, I did, you know, want to, want to stay true yes. to, uh, to the whole recipe and, and use the Terramana Blanco um, and then the Zoa uh, pineapple coconut. Well, if you use another tequila, you can't really call it a Zoamana, can you? Because it's right there <laughs> oh, in the fucking the fuck name. I want to call it. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Don't you judge me. You're right. I apologize. Let's another, move on. Uh, another Wayne's World bit. Yeah. Mm, right. Tasty. <laughs> refreshing. That's right. Little yellow. <laughs> Newprint. Uh, all right. Awesome. It, it, um, go ahead. No, no, I was say, sad, sadly, uh, I am out of uh, Kirkland Signature tequila, so I will have to stick with the rocks. Uh, that was a big terrible. bottle. <clears throat> don't, don't fucking judge me somebody taught me how to make homemade sweet and sour mix you know that bottle's like right. gonna last yeah, we no didn't teach back. you how to bathe in fucking tequila though <laughs> holy shit what, what do you think we filled the hot tub with buddy That's smart <laughs> just dr- are you drinking that water yes i am yes i am just take a straw in with you you're good to go that's it all right well let's close it out haas what did you bring to the table as the last of us today yeah, I don't. I don't think I've had it on the show. I've had it, but uh, I don't think I've had it on the show yet. So I'm, I'm drinking Blanton's tonight. No, you have not had it on the show. So, yep, I decided, in, in honor of you, the the drink last week, the topic of today, and you fine gentlemen, that yeah, I would just I would pour a, a healthy portion and. Can and, you hold uh, that bottle up again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were I not mistaken, that looked um fairly empty. Okay. It's okay. So I have another full one in my closet, hidden. His hand, and his then, hands, just really big. <laughs> that's, that's the small bottle he took back from, uh, and then, from uh, Charlotte with him. Have to have the go. Hold, right hold on, hold on. That's really full. Okay. Oh my god, dude's got like you know multiple bottles of Blantons. Grinch is about to go. Don't judge me. I too have my full bottle of Blantons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a giant. Right. <clears throat> I feel like a <laughs> hobbit near Gandalf right now. It's got nice. a little horse. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at you. Uh, it should have been the other way. There that's you a, go. That's a pony. That's not a horse. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you're just doing the straight Blanton's on ice. That's it. Blanton's one cube. There yep. you go. Do you ever do multiple? You don't ever do multiple cubes in anything, though. Like if you're no. just drinking it. You're always no. one cube. Like you got to point yep. that out. Yep, one just like a big shaped ice ball. That's it. No. That is it. That was actually a mold of my testicles, the ice cube tray, <laughs> just so you know. No, nah, it would have been much larger, I think. <laughs> At least one would have been. One. As, as, as rumor has it, right? That's right. Well, well Chamberlain's got nothing on you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, to your bland, your Zoamana, 
your Ginger Collins and my Paloma Rita Sunrise. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Another great episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's jump into it. <clears throat> All right. So I, I threw this one out early in the week. Said I wanted to talk about it because of where we are. Um, you know, where at this point, we're in March. Um, and uh, so there is going to be something that's occurring for those that are aficionados of the game of the beautiful game. We are going through world cup qualifiers here in March. The last of the CONCACAF confederation qualifiers are occurring to get us ready for the world cup at the end of this year. And so I thought it would be a good time to go ahead and talk about, I won't say our beloved. I'm not sure they're our beloved United States men's national team. Maybe they are, but they are going through their final round of qualifying games there are three games left and so i thought this would be a good time to go ahead and talk about you know the misfiring that occurred a few years ago when they did not make the 2018 world cup here we are on the cusp of 2022 will they or will they not make it now i know uh, haas you said a few months back like they're looking really good and it's pretty much a lock yeah all they things were. being equal and- until they till they played canada and shit the bed yeah and then and then a few things happen and now they're and it's interesting because I won't say they're sitting in a tenuous spot, but in a lot of ways they are as they come down the stretch here. So I thought it would be a good time to go ahead and talk about it. And this is, I'd like to talk about it because we are coming up on the world cup, but I'd also like to have a debate on the likelihood on whether or not the men's national team makes the 2022 world cup, because I know they didn't make it in 2018. It was a massive blow for United States soccer in terms of that. Uh, It had been 32 years, not, always going, you know, they had been going for 32 years. And then in 2018, they don't make it here. We are 2022. You'd like to think that, you know, they've learned, but with three games left, a lot of questions still to answer. And so that's why I thought, Hey, maybe we have a debate today, talk about whether or not each of us on the show thinks they will or will not make it and why, and see where that leads us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hey, refresh my memory real quick. The the World Cup, though, is not going to be during the summer this year, right? It's going to be during the fall? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. Winter, actually. It will occur November to December uh, in... Where Qatar. is the... Qatar? Yes, thank you. Cutter. 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 Uh, uh, yeah, out there in the Middle East somewhere. Uh, I actually saw that's where uh, a number or uh, some of the different venues under construction when I was passing through before I left... Okay, I was about to say, if you're talking about they're still under construction, that seems problematic. But you're talking about I, I, I wouldn't prior. doubt it. I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it in some cases, depending on. Oh, the boy. I won't, won't name anyone in any particular, though. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have been following United States soccer for a great many years. Hosh, you and I have watched a number of games together in the World Cup. We've seen off matches, international friendlies, and, and so on and so forth. So, I thought this would be an interesting topic in terms of whether or not they, we think they will or will not make it. So let me go ahead and start by saying, here we are in March. There are three games left. They will be played March 24th, March 27th, and March 30th by the United States. And those, those games are going to be against Mexico, Costa Rica, and Panama. The reason I wanted to talk about this is in the standings, we are currently sitting second. And by all accounts, people would say, well, then that should be a no-brainer. The top three qualify automatically. Number four goes into a playoff against another confederation to get in almost as a wild card. And then fifth and below are out. So uh, Canada sitting in the top spot, USA in two, you would think that's a lock. But the the problem is between second and fifth place, only five points separate those, those teams. And there are three matches left. A win earns them three points. 
a draw earns them one, a loss earns them nothing. What that ultimately means, though, is they're going to be playing the team sitting in three, four, and five right now. We're second, and they're going to be sitting, they're going to be playing Mexico, who's in third, Panama, who's in fourth, and Costa Rica, who's in fifth. Mexico has drawn level with them in points at 21 points aside. Panama is sitting at 17, and Costa Rica is in fifth outside the bubble at 16 points. So unfortunately, having to play those three teams means if they don't win, they could be sitting on the outside of this looking in at the end of this, at the end of March. So would, would it be safe to say that, do you think a single win would, would be enough to kind of cement their their status in the top three? If they well, pick let's, up three let's points, say this, or, I if, mean, they, if they go they to Mexico and they beat Mexico in, in Mexico, uh, it'll be in Mexico City, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Stadio Azteca. It is. I mean, yeah, Mexico's sitting first. So, I mean, I think that would probably be a huge, huge boon. Mexico's think, in third. Canada's I first. Say, I thought Canada was in first. Which, no, no, Canada's in first currently. Are they? With I'm 25 points. Which is like the I'm upside down numbers, world, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is, these are the, this is the current table right now where we're sitting. And so, yeah, Canada has secured their spot. With three games left, they're not going to end up outside the top the three. Top three. Uh, and they are just playing dominantly well right now. So surprisingly enough. I mean, when, as Haas said, Canada and USA played and we lost to Canada. We had not been uh, we had not been trailing at halftime since against Canada since 1983 and we have not lost to Canada since 1980. And of course, Canada came out in that game and dominated us and so we were not able to obviously get back in on that one. And then I know we beat Honduras which helped us. But now, again, we're going to be playing Mexico, Panama, yeah, Costa that was Rica. A, that was a lopsided thing where we played them in Minnesota. Minnesota. And, like, and, and the weather was – the temperature was lower than the goal scored. Right. The Five degrees, of, yeah. negative 12 wind chill. Uh, obviously, Honduras is not used to those kinds of temperatures. And, and, and I think strategically that was done on purpose. I think sure so. it was. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> but, but they're not going to have that, that as their benefit running down the no. stretch, unfortunately. Uh, as Haas so, said, they're going to be playing Mexico in Mexico City, which is going again, to give Mexico I, the advantage. I, 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 with Mexico on our heels or, or tied with us, I mean, if we if we go in and we get a W or well, a draw against Mexico, that puts us in a pretty good position. Yeah, does. I mean, the problem is you're you're looking at you know playing Mexico in Mexico City. Yep, they're we've never won a qualifying 30, match there. Yeah, 36, 15, and 22 lifetime against Mexico. Um, obviously, Mexico having the 36 wins. Right. So that, that doesn't bode well um, going into their stadium, you know, on their home field to try and right. pull out something that, you know, you would think would need to be one to try and secure your spot. Well, and this so, is the position they got into, you know, four or five years ago when they were in the, the last qualifiers for the 2018 was it wasn't just that they had to win. They had to rely on the, the right teams to lose. And that didn't happen. So that's, you know, at this point, you want to be holding, you want to be holding all the cards. You want to hold the destiny to your own future. You don't want to be in a position where you, you have to hope this person does this and this team does that, that, that makes it a difficult situation to navigate. So, so the other two matches, do you know where they're being played? Yeah. The Panama game will be, will, will be at Exploria Stadium. Which I'm, I don't know where actually where that's at. It's 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 a home game for us, quote unquote okay. home game. Um, that is in Orlando. Uh, yes, at the uh, Lion Stadium. 
at the Lions and, Stadium. And then Costa Rica's at their national stadium. Right. So obviously, Mac, you gave us the the lowdown on the Mexico, kind of the history of Mexico and our our situation with them. But if you look at Panama, we have beaten Panama 17 times. We've lost to them three. We've drawn four historically since 1993. But unfortunately, in the last three World Cup qualifiers against them, we have drawn one, won one, and lost one. So while our overall record demonstrates that we have been dominant in the last three World Cup qualifiers, we hadn't done so hot. We have not dominated. So that can potentially be problematic. And, and so, you know, yes, we'll be playing here on home soil in Orlando, but does that guarantee us a win? No. And they were actually the team that beat us out in 2018 and got in and we did not. So, you know, how does that, does that work to our advantage? I don't know. And I think in 2018, we needed to, we played our last game against Trinidad and Tobago. All we needed was one point. We couldn't get it. I think we drew level in that game and that's mm -hmm. why we got bounced and Panama went through. So again, there's a position where we left it. It wasn't just in our hands. We, we needed other things to happen where we it just, it just seems as a, as a powerhouse, which I think is what we're supposed to be coming out of the CONCACAF, right? Right. We just, we, we, this is yet again, another instance where if we're not careful, we're going to be depending on certain scenarios to play out, to make it in. Right. And that's when it becomes an issue. And then finally, let's go ahead and throw Costa Rica. Fucking Costa Rica. Right. Fucking Costa Rica. Uh, historically, we, all time, we are 19 and 16 and five. We beat them 19. Yeah, we've lost 16. The, the, yeah, so it's winning, but the problem is it seems like every time it's a FIFA World Cup match, we lose. Yeah, the they last just have three, our number. Yeah, the last three World Cup qualifiers, we are one and two against Costa Rica, and we will be playing them at home. So... Yeah, that that that's when it becomes a concern. Now, Mac, you asked the question, if we win just one of these games, yes, I potentially think winning one puts us at 24 points. That's enough to keep us in the That's enough three, to keep us in the likely. conversation, yes. But unfortunately, you're going to play Mexico first on the 24th. And if you don't win that game right, then you're going to move to Panama. What if you don't win? What if it's not a win? What if it's a draw? Right? My hope is, is if we draw, if we can draw against Mexico beat Panama and draw against Costa Rica, I think we're okay. We should be. I mean, there are a lot of scenarios and every, I'm, I'm sure there are pundits out there that do this and they run through all the numbers and they look at the games and the stats and they go, what are all the different roads to get there? Um, but we can look at the stats all day long, but at the end of the day and Grinch are being awfully quiet. The question ultimately is between the four of us, do we think they've built a team to get there? And that's the part that I have reservations about think, in watching them play. I think my bigger play. concern is, I, I think they've got a team that can get there, but then once they're there, what do they do, right? I mean, well, I, I think know. it's just, I mean, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 I, I was going to say, I think it's just, you know, kind of, you know, adding on to the frustration that we've had at the World Cup, right? Where, you know, that's fine, you make it, you know, but we, you don't get out of group stage. We have what I feel like is probably top down side to side depending on who makes the cut and not now um we did just hear that uh geo um geo reina uh who plays at the bundesliga in dortmund um uh shortly before the podcast started he went down with yet another injury he had started the first time today i think in like months um so that 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 hurts um 
but with that that aside, um, which which does hurt because as a, as a quality midfielder, um, you know, you, you really want to be strong in that in that part of the field for sure. But I don't know. I think we have amazing talent. I mean, up front, you've got, you know, obviously you've got Pulisic, who I mean, I mean, he's doing well in the EPL at Chelsea. Um, I'm a big fan of um, Anthony Robinson, who plays at Fulham. He's one of the main defenders. Um, he's kind of a beast. I, I just, my point is this, there's, I mean, I could go on and name plenty of players. There's plenty of players that I feel like, and they're younger, a lot younger than what I feel like we've had in years past um, that give us a better chance. I'm really excited to see if we can get there. And then if we do get there, what we can do actually. So I'd be, I'd be highly disappointed if we don't make it. Cause I think, I think we've got some real talent out there. So ultimately, do you think we can make it? Depends. Um, depends on what Borhalter does, who he starts and who he puts in. And I mean, that, I think that's for me, the biggest question mark is um, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of inconsistency in the play um, because these, you know, these guys aren't playing together all the time. Um, uh, I, unfortunately, I, I haven't seen full matches. I've only seen clips uh, and recaps. Um, so I couldn't I couldn't speak to the totality of any match they've played or uh, the philosophy behind and how it was executed or not. Um, but I think the talent's there. It's deep. The deepest I think we've maybe we've ever had. Um, I think we're relatively healthy, as I understand it. But for the Reina situation today, um, I, I, I would have said before Canada, before the Canada match, it was a, it was a for sure thing and we were good to go. Now I have reservations. Uh, I, I'm going to let Grinch weigh in here because you've been awfully quiet. Brother. Yeah, no, I was just I was just kind of reading over some stuff um, in the broad sense, but um, listening to what everybody was saying, because um, you all follow this a lot closer than I do. Um, I, I just think, you know, for me with the U.S., the problem I always have with them is they just they it, it always comes down to like this razor's edge. You know, and so it suggests that they aren't consistent. And and in terms of reliability, like you're just like it's one slip up, you know, is kind of where they end up positioning themselves over and over again. And you go, well, okay, so let's just say maybe this is the year they don't slip up. Well, then how confident are you in that team going into a World Cup where the competition level is going to be even higher? So, I mean, I, I don't know what all that means other than to say I, I, I kind of keep coming back to the when I think of the U.S. team, U.S. men's national team, I don't really understand its identity. Um, and I think some of it's just the arc of who the stars are, kind of when one's climbing, one's going down. And then maybe sometimes we get the right pieces, but we got the wrong coach and the wrong philosophy. It's like we never seem to have it all in sync. And then – you know, then the inexplicable happens and you're just like, what just happened there? You know, whether it was coaching error, player error, or their, their head just wasn't in the game. <laughs> so, I mean, on the one hand, of course, like I want to see them make it, but on the other hand, I'm like, yes, it's good to say you qualify, but are you going to be competitive? Or does somebody yeah. else have a better chance of doing something? Right, there? right. And, and, you know, and I will say just to correct or clarify something I said earlier, um, the stadiums I saw, or at least one stadium I saw, Cutter. I think they they got their shit together. I mean, they certainly put being the first Arab world country to host to host is important to note. Second Asian country to host is you know that's important. 
Um, I, I, I do think they have their ducks in a row in terms of just the amount of resources and just their infrastructure that they're, you know, um, it's noticeable when you leave their country and go to another country, which is where I saw a stadium that was like, I don't know that I would trust being in that stadium if I'm, if I'm honest. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I don't want to insult the, the, the country of Qatar. I do think, uh, I do think, you know, it, it's a good, it's a good story. What, regardless of the specter of bribery and so forth that uh, I mean, in the that, fact yeah. that it has to be played in freaking in, in, in <laughs> winter time, because people would yeah, die if they tried to play it here right. in a couple months. Right. You know, in, in the average temp for that air, that, that period of time, which normally I get, you know, it is the off season for what European leagues, June, July, you know, it can get to 120. Now I got, they said technology in the stadium can pull that temperature down 20, 30, 120 is is that, that, that's like a whole different ball game. <laughs> you know, there's hot and then there's that. Right. You think you understand what that's like, and then <laughs> right, there's actually right. being in that. Now, and again, it'll be interesting to see, right? Because because the World Cup occurs generally a June to July time frame in the summertime, and we know that's an off season for all international. And when I say international, I'm talking international club play here in the states. The MLS plays from March to October, so it runs right through the middle of their season. But international club play, those are off months because they play from August to May. Now they're going to be playing right through the middle of the season in November to December, just prior to Christmas. That'll wrap up. So it'll be interesting to see a lot of these guys will be rolling through club team play and then leaving to go play international football to come back to the club where normally they have the summer off. So they're all they're really doing is training for the World Cup in the summer. So it'll be interesting to see how a lot of these guys fit together and does that throw a wrench in the functionality of a lot of these big teams like your Germany's, your Portugal's, your Spain's, your England's, where these guys spend the summers playing together, they're not going to have that same benefit having to play club play right up until it's time. Well, so, and I guess a good question would be, are they planning on suspending club play? I would assume so for a period of time while they're playing the, uh, the World Cup. I have not heard that that's the intent. Yeah. So a lot of these guys are going to get called up and their reserve players will play for the club team to keep the club team rolling. I have not but, heard but that. You may also, but you may also have some players that decide to opt out of cup, World Cup play to stay and play, you know, on their, their side back at home because you know, that's where they're making the money. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know I mean, it's probably one thing to say, oh, you know, I, I played and I represent my country. That's great. Right. But, you know, money, money talks a lot. So that, that'll be interesting to see what they do um, with, with that as far as, you know, like you said, the club play and being during the, the World Cup. I just think if they did suspend it, I, I'm hoping they don't, because if guys do, does that give the USA an advantage now? Because some of your players are not going to play. Do you want to win it that way? Or do you just not care? Well, I mean, (laughs) I mean, you you want to play against the best players, right? right. Absolutely. Well, and of course, it's also interesting to note, you know, the expansion from 32 to 48 teams going into 2026. Right. Um, It's the same idea. It's like, do you want to get in by simple virtue of additional spaces or do you want to legitimately feel that you earned it. And then I guess the, the follow answering my own question to be like, well, if you win, I don't care, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but <laughs> that's a fair it, statement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, again, I mean, when I see the team, you know, the, the thing that keeps standing out to me is, is just lack of consistency, but you know, I, I guess I should also note, like they, 
I don't think there's a lack of effort. I mean, I think the team's playing with a lot of energy. They're playing hard, um, you know, and that like you can't give that to players. I mean, I think that's a positive. And who knows, you know, maybe it's like the classic, you know, NFL or other, you know, professional sports where it's like you just have to be primed going into the big show. Doesn't matter how you got there as long as you get there. And then once you're there, you better you better be bring your A game and bring it every time. Right. Exactly. Uh, Mac, actually, to answer your question, I apologize. Yes. Currently, the Premier League made an official announcement. It will be suspending league play from the 12th of November until the games subside. They'll pick up on Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas on the 26th. So it will allow any player in the Premier League to fulfill their national duty. And it says no other league. Well, no other league has currently made the announcement, but they expect all of the other major leagues, La Liga, Serie A, the Bundesliga, to follow suit. So, yeah, you're right. They will actually, which is something they haven't done previously because of when the World Cup normally falls. So you'll get your wish. They will be playing. If they make it, they'll be playing the best of the best. Well, I didn't say that was my wish. but (laughs) You know, something, something else that jumped out at me as I was glancing through some notes. In the last 14 competitive matches, the U.S. has scored more than one goal four times. Wait, uh, has scored more than one goal just, <laughs> just four times and just once against Honduras has scored more than two. Right. Yeah, they're not putting up a lot of goals. They, they're not a prolific scoring team. They're not. And, of course, people will argue, yes, but most football matches end one nothing, 2-1. Like, they're not – what was it? 2000, was it 18 or 2014? I think it was 2014 when Germany blew out Brazil like 8 nothing. In, in, in their match, I mean, that just doesn't happen at this level. You know, these guys, it's going to be. So I, well, I get the that. the new spread but, offense. Oh, wait. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately. this pass interference thing? I, I think the problem being, while that's enough to win, it makes it difficult to look at your lineup and go, we have, you do have prolific goal scorers. You can always count on when it's, you know, we need to go score a goal. Like if you go back to the early 2000s, the Brian McBride's or the, the Clint Dempsey's, you know, people like that, where it's like, hey, Brandon we need Donovan. a goal, man. Yeah, go score a goal and they could do it like that. I don't know that we have those people. Well, Christian well, Pulisic, he's more of a playmaker. He can score goals, but he's more of the guy. Yeah. You, he, he needs to be the guy controlling the midfield, controlling the play. And just making good decisions. He he needs to be what Michael like Bradley the, never was. Josh Josh Sar- Josh Sargent, Bobby Woods, and Tim Way. Those are the three guys, or not uh, Bobby Woods, but Tim Way and Josh Sargent. Those are the two I've I've been seeing a lot of and hearing a lot about. And um, when it comes to prolific forwards that we would have on this p- potentially have on this team, right. um, along with uh, potentially um, Jordan P. Folk. Um, and then there's another guy. Um, is it Paul, Ricardo? I love, I love his name, Paul, Paul Ariola. Uh, Ariolas. Yeah. Yeah. Look. What about uh? Was it is it Pepe? P e p i Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that certainly has jumped out in these notes as well is the inconsistency of the center striker. It keeps changing, and these guys don't play a lot with each other. So, like, instinctively knowing where a player where they're going to move and how they're going to move as we know is like it you know it, it, we use the term organic like it's it's got to be instinctive not this the game's too fast to go let me just see what's going on here with that especially we, like we've all seen that those classic drives where they're zipping down the field and it's clear they have no idea what they want to accomplish mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, it's right. like we've gotten here 
now, now none what? of us are sure who is the alpha that's going to like just wants the freaking ball and is going right. to make shit happen. Like, you know, some of the, you know, European uh, and, you know, Brazilian heroes we've seen that you're like, just get them the ball. The magic will happen, you right. know, but they, they play at a different level, which we've discussed before is they, they play at a different level where they are just so in tune with the game. There is, it, it almost feels like there's no thinking involved where it's, sometimes it tends to be, U.S. overthinks gameplay. Haas, I was really excited just prior to the Canadian game where you were like, oh, U.S. is going to take on Canada and you guys should really watch them and they're playing lights out. So I was like, fuck, I can't wait. I'll be honest. After they didn't make the World Cup in 2017, you know, the qualifiers in 2017 for the 2018 World Cup, I kind of, they fell off my map. And I started watching a lot of Premier League and, and a lot of club play. Yeah, and then, so, then you watch them get manhandled by Canada and you think right. I'm full of shit, right? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, it's not that, but I, 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 the first thing I noticed when I came back to them was like, I don't recognize any of these people. I don't mm. know the names, never heard yeah. of them. Yeah, Burhalter's kind of revamped everything. Which is fine if you're building from the ground up. If you're building through the youth program and you're bringing these yep. guys up, I'm perfectly fine with that. It was one of the, I think, the biggest issues that previous coaches have always had is how do you build through the youth system here in the States? And if that's what he's doing, I'm perfectly fine with it. But then I watched the gameplay against Canada and I was like, they were so ineffectual. Nothing they did seem to work. It seemed like they were constantly overthinking. There was no control through the midfield and Grinch, like you said, they'd get downfield. And then it was like mice just running around in a fucking cage, not knowing what to do. And it was just like, there just seemed to be no technical ability. And I'm going to oversimplify, um, but, you know, going back to the arc of like the last 20 plus years of the U.S. men's team, I think, what was his fucking name? Uh, it was like three coaches ago before Klinsman. Uh, Bruce Arena. There's uh, Arena. Arena. You know, it was like he had this fucked up system in mind of like a five, what was it? Like a five, four, <laughs> one or something he was doing. I don't even remember now. And it made no sense. And then you had players, it was almost like a nepotism for how they got through. And then they'd stay on the team, even though you didn't think they were the best that we had to offer. So it didn't work then. So then you get Klinsman. And I think that the system just didn't, it just balked. Like the antibodies rejected him, you know? Right. And, and so that was a failure for probably reasons beyond Klinsman's control. And that's not, you know, giving him a free pass of just saying it all would have been right had we just shut up and colored. You know, now, all right, I, I don't have, I don't honestly know a whole lot about uh, Burhalter, but I feel like there's, there's still too much tinkering under the hood going on. And I'd kind of like to see that settle out. Now, I don't have one tenth of the, the, you know, the football IQ that he has. So maybe I'll, at the end of this, be like, I was an idiot. I'm that standard Monday morning quarterback who has all the answers, but never coached a game. Right. That's just kind of where I feel like I, I, I don't, like I said, I don't like the inconsistency and I don't like the constant change. It's like, let's get an identity. Let's, let's, let's start developing these relationships and, and see how we can gel and then let them can, you know, just rep after rep after rep, get better and better. Yeah. Cause should there not be, I mean, here we are, we're in the spring prior to a winter world cup. Should your identity at this point not be dialed in, you know, the, the or state close, of your play, right? right? Your state of play yeah. should be dialed in at this point. I mean, you shouldn't still, 
I won't say you shouldn't still be tinkering. Maybe you should, but it shouldn't be wholesale issues at this point. Well, but but here's the thing. Canada is the only team in the CONCAF that looks good. I mean, Mexico's in kind of struggling and in shambles. We are. I mean, no one, no one in, in CONCAF's like pumping it out, except for surprisingly enough, Canada, who's hitting on all cylinders. Uh, they're, they're the only ones who, who haven't figured it out so far. So look, take that for what it's worth. I mean, the good news is, is yeah, this is February. Um, we're not playing for what, uh, you know, until November. So we've still There's got time. another nine months. <clears throat> right. Now, eight, nine months ish. If, if we look at just straight stat lines, and again, I know this isn't, it's hard to kind of cost this out over time because they don't all fall into the same thing. But if we just look at Greg Berhalter currently as the head coach, uh, 47 matches played since he took over in 2018, he's got a 76.6% win percentage currently. So the, the one you mentioned, uh, Grinch Bruce Arena, who far and away, far and away in his two tenures, 98 to 2006, 2016 to 2017, uh, 148 matches. And his win percentage was only 66.55. Now, again, if you, if you were to take any 47 games of Bruce arenas, what was his win percentage? So I get there's going to be some discrepancies. Jurgen Klingsman, 2011 to 2016, 98 matches played a 64.29 win percentage. Either way, Greg Berhalter currently has the highest win percentage of any U.S. men's national coach. So maybe that does speak volumes about what he's doing. And for what it's worth, okay, in the world rankings, and this is as of 10 February, Mexico's ranked 12th, the United States is ranked 13th, and Canada is 33rd. Right. And you go, does that make sense? Right, and then you go to Costa Rica, 42nd, Jamaica, 62nd, Panama, 63rd, you know, and then it just goes up from there all the way down to, you know, freaking, and what is it, Anguilla? 209th, you know. Right. So in terms of like the level of competition, I mean, I if – if between Mexico, USA, and Canada, which I think is is a closer benchmark to what the World Cup would look like in terms of next level, and you know, and we've said this in, with college football, like if you're an elite team, you know, what is it that they say? Good teams win, great teams cover. You know, kind of idea of like if you're as good as you're supposed to be consistently, you're going to win those games ninety plus percent of the time. And look pretty good in the process, as opposed to, well, eked another one out. Right. I, yeah, I, to I, me, go ahead, brother. No, I was just going to say, to me, it kind of feels like we're, I think we're still one cycle away. I would so, love to see us get in because I'd love to see more of what we are to see if we're developing an identity, more of, you know, core players getting to play together more so that they, they can feel out that identity and learn each other's weaknesses and strengths and learn how to play to each other's style. I'd love that. That's what I would love to see, but I'm not, I'm not so sure that's what we're going to get. I, yeah, I really feel, I like, mean, we're, 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 I feel were, like we're one cycle away. And, and let's just say we make it now we're probably reliant on a favorable draw. Yep. Cause 100%. number, you know, the top teams in the world in order Belgium, Brazil, France, Argentina, England, Italy, Spain, Portugal, Denmark, Netherlands, Germany, and then you get to Mexico and the United States. Yeah, the, the teams you expect to be sitting in the top spots. 
Right. And you know, the road to winning goes through them, no matter what you do, it's going through somebody there. Now, ultimately we're projecting down the road, eight, nine months down the road, whatever. And, and this conversation, we need to pull back to the end of March, just in the next few weeks. Do we get into the world cup is the question. We have three teams to get through Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, historically, Mexico gives us an issue. Costa Rica gives us an issue. It's a toss up with Panama. Like again, we're one, one and one, one draw, one win, one loss against them in the last three world cup qualifiers, um, two away games, one home game is the United States in a position to get into the world cup. And even if they land in the fourth spot, they still have to play an oceanic conference. I believe I saw New Zealand. They're going to have to play New Zealand who won their conference, I believe, uh, to get into the world cup. So even if you fall in the fourth spot, you go, okay, we still got a shot. We play the wild card game. We get in. Is that a guarantee? I don't know where that game occurs. I don't know when that game occurs. I just, I, I tend to air with what you're saying, Grinch, no identity or, or they haven't shown us their identity. There's still some struggles. There's still some questions. And at this late hour, um, this is not when you should be having those. I mean, you're going to be playing three world cup qualifiers. Then you're not going to be playing unless it's an international friendly, nothing that really prepares you for the world cup until you get to the world cup. Yeah. And I'll just, again, I'll kind of re revisit something we talked about when we talked, uh, was it the summer of soccer? Maybe, um, you know, that it's like the classic Rocky, right? Like, you know, it's stereotypical that, you know, the U S is going to put in the work. They're going to work their tails off. They're going to take their lumps, but at the end come up battered and bruised and be like, we made it. Okay. Well, these other teams aren't not working hard as well. Right. right. So just simple stamina, uh, fitness and all those things, they aren't going to get it. It'll keep you maybe in the game for a while, but it's the strategy and the culture of the play. And I, and we've said this before, I, I, I've yet to understand, and we're a mutt nation. I suppose that would be reflective in how we play, but I feel like, you know, maybe somewhere we're going to catch lightning in a bottle and just somehow the combination of different cultural influences all meshes on the field. And it's just like beauty, you know, <laughs> it's just beautiful to watch. I, I haven't seen it yet. What do I want? I want to go back to 2016 and I want to be, I want USA in the world cup to be Iceland in the 2016 euros, a country of 355,000 <laughs> bouncing England, who was a pre a perennial favorite at, you know, 68 million people in that country. They've always had a dominant team and, and Iceland came in and beat them. And the way everybody got behind them, I would love to see that for the men's national team here. Do I think that's going to happen? No, because I worry that we're going to do the same thing. We always do. We're going to get there and then we're going to be shown for who we are or, or, what our gameplay actually is when you're trying to play at a level with teams. Like you said, you're not going to outwork these teams. Everybody at this level is working their asses off. And so, you know, I would love to get there and be able to have everybody go, holy shit, look at this team. Just, just to beat somebody, beat a Spain, beat an England, beat a Germany. Uh, I don't I think we're, again, I, I still think we're a good four to eight years away from that being a possibility and i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong i hope you know here eight nine months from now i hope we we get that experience uh, but um i don't know I, I see a lot of quality soccer over here football over here and i can tell you um uh, yeah it's just it's just different for them over here right 
Well, I we mean, just don't right. treat it the same. And, and we don't right. get the best athletes. We don't get the best right. athletes I mean, we, out of our country playing playing soccer. We just don't. Yeah, they're going to go basketball. They're going to go football because right. that's where you're going to make money. If, if, if you're if that Odell elite. Beckham Jr. and LeBron James uh, were, were playing soccer, <laughs> I mean, yeah. they would be they would be freaking just wholly dominant. It'd, it'd be ridiculous. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. I was like, I was looking at the stats of this kid uh, that's a recruit. He he's seventeen. He squats six fifteen. I'm like, how is this possible? How is this possible that a seventeen year old, like, if you found that kind of raw athleticism and just put it into like different form and said, I just want you to run nonstop the entire game, just run nonstop. Right. <laughs> but the physicality is so different in the sport, right? You know, that's it, you right? Fluidity. Being squat, yeah, being able to squat that much doesn't really translate, translate to, to, to international football. No, no, it's all it's all I mean, it's purposeful working out. I, I would have no doubts. I mean, at that oh, yeah. level, you're not you're not going, I'm gonna get my bench to whatever and think it will translate to the field to your point. So it's more it's probably more like you know, ego fitness of just looking, looking good, looking good. Yeah. Well, we know how you, you feel about ego fitness. You score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know how you feel about that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I was trying to see, cause I, I, one of the other things I, I think is interesting in terms of our nation's identity to football or soccer, as it is, is if you look at the, you know, you look at our coaches, Greg Bergholter has been there four years, uh, the last head coach, uh, Dave Sarishan, one year. Bruce Arena, two tenures, uh, one year, and his previous tenure was eight years. Jurgen Klingsman, five years. Bob Bradley, five years. You know, uh, a lot of these guys, they're not Steve Sampson, three years. Uh, Bora Milutinovic, four years. Uh, the next guy, John Kowalski, one year. Like, we haven't had a sustainable head coach. It's almost like we get to a point where they have taken us as far as they can take us, something happens and they're gone. They bring in someone new and it's just like, it's this constant revolving door. So well, I agree over four or five years, you generate continuity. But when you look at a world cup cycle of four years, a lot of these guys have only been through one world cup cycle at four or five years tenure, and then they're moving on or they're getting fired. So we haven't had a coach, uh, help me out, Haas, the German national coach, Yergi Lowe. No, oh, Lowe. Lowe. Yeah, the guy uh, who likes to scratch yeah. and sniff. <laughs> the weirdo. But oh, he was there so- for fucking years, it felt like. Yeah. And so he was able to generate an identity and then just kind of capitalize on that very German nature to football. So I, I wonder if that's part of our issue. And, of course, the conversation is oh. always, should it be an American coach? Should we have an international coach, you know, a Brazilian, a German, an Englishman, you know, to help kind of mold the identity? Well, I don't know. Well, and, and, and certainly, you know, it's if maybe learning, I don't know what I'm going to learn yet, but as I say this, but I mean, learning from the best in the world. Okay. Belgium's been ranked number one since 2018. They're, they have a population of 11 and a half million. Okay. And they've been ranked number one since 2018. Like I assume that's because they, they, again, they have constructed, a whole that is greater than the sum of its parts and it just works. Yes. And they, and they know it inside and out and the, and the machine is running, you know, this is like, you know, for the United States, it's like, well, let's try these tires. 
um, new transmission, you know, like, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, think, I think to your point, we need to, we need to kind of almost drop back at this point, go look at, you know, a country that's been doing this for years and years and years and look at it as from the totality, right? The, the youth, you know, the youth league, bringing kids up through that, right? And it's going to be a process and it's not going to be a process that's going to happen in one or two World Cup cycles, right? You're right. going to have to start. I mean, it's going to be a generational shift, honestly. You've got to start getting these kids when they're younger into the sport and out of these other sports if you really want to be competitive. It, it, I, right. I don't know the answer, but it begs the question of if in 2010, Belgium was ranked 57th, what changed in 10 to 12 years? They had enough generational them, talent uh, yeah, come up I, at the same time. Well, something happened in 2012 because they jumped from 41 to 21. And then right. from 2012 to 2013, they jumped from 21 to 11. And then from 11 to four by 2014, hovered in there, went to fifth, and then one, 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 one. But, but one, I think Thomas's point is that, is that bringing along, you know, you, you got this group of, of people, you know, at a young age, you, you brought them along through your, your national youth system. You know, obviously they played at other places, you know, when they weren't playing for the, the national team, but they played together for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and finally kind of, you know, came to fruition. Well, and that brings up a great team. Point. The other problem we have is our country is so large that you could have great generational talent, you know, four or five players in the U.S. coming up at the same time that are never playing together. Whereas in some of these countries, that's not the case. Right. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I, I mean, think... I, I... go ahead, Grinch. I was no, just going to go. I mean, no, go ahead. No, me. No, no, I want to using using Brazil. <laughs> their lowest ranking ever was twenty second. Yeah. Now you can't compare us I, to again Brazil. ignorance. <laughs> well, it's uh, I, I didn't make the point before giving you this information, but you know, in terms of the population dispersion across of Brazil, you know, they I naively will say they may be more prone to identifying talent that is the that is like the next generation, like just different and knowing what sport they're going to go into. Cause it's not like college football, baseball or basketball or is a thing, you know, to the same extent in Brazil. Right. And, and I think hockey, that's the hockey shouldn't discount hockey. I mean, you get some well, super it. athletic people, but how do we get, you know, how do we get those kids into that sport. And I think, unfortunately, part of the problem is, is, you know, when you're talking to kids at that age, I mean, okay, you, you can go potentially play football and make millions of dollars. You can go play baseball and make millions of dollars. Or you can go play for the MLS and have a, you know, a make job during grand. the winter bagging groceries to <laughs> make right, ends meet. Right. I got a plan. That's Here it. we go. All right. We're we suspending, the problem. We're suspending all other sports at the high school and collegiate level besides college football. Everybody else has to play soccer. We'll guarantee NIL deals. And NIL. then we'll, we'll get our batch and get this thing rolling. We'll prime the pump. And then next World Cup, we'll reassess if we let the other sports play. I play mean, tongue-in-cheek, but, but, you know, it's going to take something like that, though, to, to get us. If, if, if we as a country even want to get there, right? I mean, and that, that's the other problem. 
we, we may not, you know, the U.S. may not care enough to be, you know, the best in. I'm like, what uh, the fuck did I just see? Yeah. Sorry to throw you I off there. Austin's over there rimming the bottle. No shit. <laughs> uh, to our listeners, we apologize. This one went off the rails briefly. Uh, Haas, I don't know what that was, but that was a little. Oh, he knows. He okay. knows. <laughs> uh, Max, I, I didn't I'm appreciate gonna... the heavy the heavy eye contact while you did it. But yes. All right, so Mac, I'm I'm going to redirect this conversation because I do want to stay on task because obviously we're 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 talking about the men's Sorry, national team, but no, the, the interesting part is like you mentioned Belgium being world number one right now, and so I was quickly scanning Belgium's national team roster. I guess it's weird that I know more names on their team than I know on my own U.S. men's national team, and and maybe it's because I I do enjoy. I think that's it. circumstantial though. Well, I think that's because they play. They probably play more international international football, club football, which you watch, right? And, and, and I, you know, I ex- and, and a lot of our MLS players, aside from a handful, probably play, or a lot of our national players on the U.S. team probably play more MLS, which you don't watch as much. I don't. Think. You might be okay. surprised. We have a lot. We have a handful. I agree. A lot of MLS players are absolutely playing in the MLS. You're right. Yes, they no are. No denying it. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not arguing. One hundred percent of our MLS players <laughs> are playing in the MLS. MLS. Yes. Um. But Thank you, uh, yeah, ultimately, um, just can't win. I don't even um, know why I show up. I'm just gonna sit over here and enjoy keep my rimming moments. that bottle, and you'll be fine. I'm gonna. Uh, Thank you. Ultimately, I worry that we we look at it and we go, we're in second spot in the Concacaf standings. Three games left. We're there. It's easy. Like, uh, and again, what you said, we need. We only need one win. One in three. No, what you need uh, is the three wins. Is- I don't think anybody here thinks that, though. Amongst the four of us, I don't think anybody says, oh, we're in. With well, three games left, we're in. But that, I agree with it's you. A- but I think, by and large, the American population that does follow football goes, we're in second spot. And we're probably, you know, one win and we're in. But again, it's not a one win and you're in thing. They, yes, they you may be. Anything. But you need to you need to really dominate the next three games in preparation for not getting dominated in November. And that, that's it, right? It, 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 do you want to settle for mediocrity? Right? Okay, fine. You know, yeah, we made it to the World Cup. Yay! And we got bounced in the, you know, in the group stage again. Right, or we're going to go back to... you want to build something sustainable that allows you to compete and get out of that into the round of 16 and, and then potentially progress even further. Right. And I'm not even going to say about getting into the finals because, you know, that, that's a yeah. long way off, I think. I mean, 2002 was the last time we made it to the quarterfinals in the, it was yeah. Japan and Korea, uh, South Korea and Japan, I believe hosted that dual host of the world cup. And we got into the quarterfinals. Yeah. Let's, let's get out of the group. Let's get out of the group stage first, 1998, the, the shadow of Steve Sampson, you get to the world cup and then you get bounced in France and you're the 32nd team, 32 out of 32. Now you can always go. Yeah, but we're 32 out of 206 teams in the world that that try to get into this thing. That's not bad. It's not even just about getting out of the group stage once, right? It's consistently getting out of it. Like if you look at like a Spain or a Germany or a France even, they expect, you know, we're getting out of the group stage. It's almost a foregone conclusion. You know, they still play the game. Their citizens will buy tickets. Yeah. You know, into the knockout stages with no reservations. They that they're going to be there, right? Right. So they're, they're not buying the cancel insurance. 
uh, on their on their hotel stay. Or <laughs> yeah, their, we their don't need that shit. Yeah. Now, ultimately, does that does it guarantee us anything? No. I mean, obviously, we're you know you talk about you know the French, obviously defending world champions. Even though Belgium's currently number one, we know that friend, France is the defending world champions. They're going to be coming into Qatar or Qatar or how the fuck you say it. Um, wanting I said to Qatar I, forever, but it is Qatar. Is it, it is really Qatar? okay? Yeah. And that's interesting because I think uh, yeah, I think I referred to it as Qatar earlier. So it's, it's weird that they don't spell it C U T T E R because that's how I would pronounce <laughs> cutter or spell cutter but okay and this um, and this is why we can't win a freaking you know football game to save our lives because we can't pronounce other countries apparently not uh it's interesting because i'm looking at the roster for the french national team not a one of them plays in the mls isn't that interesting <laughs> uh yeah doesn't play for the yet. mls yeah well none of what? them are in that close to retirement so that's, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, give, give them six years or so hold on belgian national team belgian national team nope not a one plays in the mls look at that um, I bet if I look at Spain, if I look at fucking Brazil, probably none of them play either. But you know, because it is you, what it is. You, you play where the competition is, right? Yes. I mean, if you if you want to get better, you got to go play against yes. the best in the world. And That's what, quite frankly, it's it's not in the MLS right now. That's why Kylian Mbappe is talking about leaving Paris, uh, Paris Saint Germain for Liverpool and not uh, like Seattle Sounders. Because he's going to go. Uh, Charlotte FC, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was reading an article there. They're close to s- signing that deal. That's uh, for Mbappe. Uh, yeah, legal legal has advised me that you can't actually <laughs> say that. Say that. <laughs> are they, are they leveraging the entire city to do it? Because that's the only way they're getting him. <laughs> yes, we've, we've, we've pretty much bulldozed every, uh, every building in the city. That's right. We've other mortgaged than the, the city. stadium to, mm. to sell, uh, sell off material to Jesus. pay for that. So. Yeah, you look I, good in, uh, in mint green, so and black. Look, and black. your uniforms yeah. look sharp, no doubt. But get out and actually win something before you start talking shit. Okay, you haven't even done that. You've actually <laughs> only the, lost one game. That's all you've done that, is lost one that's game. That's not the American way. <laughs> <laughs> We're the underdog. Then the issue is going to be you got to have the right players. Grinch, as you said at the outset, they all have to be firing at the same time. You got to have the right coaching staff. You have the right uh, the right technical play, the right scheme, the right game plan. And you need all of those working together to be successful long-term. Uh, Haas, you've said it, one more cycle. What does that mean, one more cycle? You're talking another World Cup cycle before they're really yeah, ready to compete? four years. So are they ready to be there this year? They're going to be there this year? I don't know, man. I want them to be. But, I mean, and, a and few like months said, ago, like you earlier, felt really yeah, confident. Like I said earlier, before the, before the, um, the, uh, the game against Canada, yeah, I felt, I felt pretty good. And I Honduras, think, I think they, they will got, make they the got, they got scraped, this year. They got shellacked. You think so? I think they will. Now, how, will they be competitive? No, I don't think they'll be competitive once they get to the World Cup. But I do think, I mean, looking at the, the three games they have left, what they need to do to, to make it in, I think, I think it's very doable. I think they can make that, that leap and get to the World Cup. But again, it, it, to me, it's... It, it needs to be more about not just making it to the World Cup, but when you get there, you know, winning some games and, and moving on. Right. You know, what, what does be the whipping? The World Cup, don't be the whipping post. To, yeah. What does getting to the World Cup mean if you're not being competitive? It's it's you know, it's the freaking you know Honolulu Bowl. You know, it's a consolation prize. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get to go on this really cool trip, but you know, we know we're not going to win. It's the NFL's Pro Bowl. Yeah, exactly. We get to go to yeah, that. which 
now you just get to go to Orlando or yeah, Las Vegas. Come on, you don't even get to go to Hawaii. You don't get to go to Hawaii anymore. Come on. Yeah, I agree with you, Mac. They they need to get in, but they also need to be competitive when they're there. But you shouldn't be putting the cart before the horse. They got to get in first. And unfortunately, right. 2018, looking at that, and now where we are four years later, three years later, whatever, going, okay, we should we should be rolling down the track, ready to go. These should really just be in essence, just like pickup games. Like, look, I, I get it. It's Mexico. And were it any other three teams, we wouldn't be having this conversation, but the three teams they're going to face are historically three teams. They've struggled against in world cup competition in terms of qualifiers. Well, but so, you should, to your point, you should be able to look at it and say, okay, Panama, Costa Rica probably wins there. You know, Mexico is Mexico, right? They're, they're going to, you know, that, that could be a loss. That could go. Either well, way. when we played them, when we but, played them, uh, with the end of 2021 in the U.S., we beat them two nil. We won. They beat right. yeah. We did. Yeah. So but we're not playing them on home soil. But, but again, that, oh, saying, that, game, that match can go either way, I think. But you should be able to look at it. You should be at a point where you should be able to look at it and say, we're going to beat Canada. I mean, if this were hockey, okay, fine. I, yeah, I give but, you that this would be again, a good match. And w- and which but is we weird because Canada's ranked like 33 in the world, and they're sitting at the top of the CONCACAF. Like, it's just weird. Yeah, and what's, what's wrong with the world? Right. You expect Mexico to be at the top, USA to be at the top. You don't expect Canada to be sitting there as dominant as they are. And I think that's right. what gives me pause going, maybe we're going to be sitting on the outside of the World Cup looking in again. I don't want to be. I didn't want to be in 2018. I mean, I, I do like being able to root for them. But so, yes, something I, 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 I this is a random Google thing. Is it right? I'm not positive. I think so because it comes from FIFA's website. Okay. <clears throat> the lowest ranked team to ever win a World Cup was France in 1998 that came in at eight, that was ranked in the world 18th. Right. Next was only is Italy. Sedan, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Next the is head, Italy. Was 13th. No. Otherwise, you jump from 13th to 7th. And then, like, second, second, third. My point being, the teams that tend to win are the ones you expect to win. And drawing a correlation from college football, which we, you know, is near and dear to our heart, it'd be like saying, hey, do you think Kentucky's going to win it all next year? Statistically, the, the, the stats tell you before, you you know, beforehand, it's – Highly unlikely, not impossible, never zero, highly unlikely. So in terms of where the U.S. is positioned, is it impossible? No. Is it likely? No. But in terms of how they need to shape maybe their goals, I think they need to think of this as every, if we can get into the World Cup, the reps for our next our up and comers is invaluable. That's how we need to think about it. And maybe that's the answer to, to Burhalter, like his strategy right now is he is building the experience going, we ain't ready to win it all. So let's just keep working with what we've got to see if we can find that special sauce. And in the meantime, keep getting better. I don't know. It's just a theory I made up as I kept looking at this. Well, stuff. you know, and in, in saying that, and then going back on what Thor was talking about earlier, He's still the winningest coach. Right. 
It's a seventy-six so, percent or whatever. And I realize it's a, it's a much smaller sample size, but still, it is what it is. So maybe it feels as though it's trending in the right direction. The question is, uh, do we get over the hump? Are, are we are we going to get over this hump and get in the World Cup? Here's my concern: we're sitting on the cusp of whether or not we get into or not get into 2022. We know we didn't make 2018. Burholter's been in his position for four years. The concern being in 2026, we know the World Cup's going to be here. I think we can ill afford not making it into this World Cup because then you're going to lose patronage. You're going to lose viewers who are going to go fucking World Cup team again. Yeah, back to back, right? Knowing you're going into a 26, 2026 World Cup that's going to be held here in North America between Canada, Mexico, and the USA. Those games are going to be played here. You're going to want to, that viewership to be as large as possible, the support to be as large as possible. So you want to make a good showing, as Max said. You don't want to just get there. You want to get there and make a good showing in preparation because you know you get an automatic – I think you get an automatic bid in. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, get the automatic. If you're the, if you're the host nation, you get an automatic right. bid. But, but how is that going to work, though? Is I mean, are you going to get three automatic bids? Yes. I mean, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada in Canada, get automatic bids. Which is why I believe they increased – Grinch said they increased the field to 48 teams. Was that right? I will, uh, yeah, I think I closed that, that tab. Yeah, I yeah, think they increased that. It goes and, to 48 next World Cup. Right, and that's because they get three automatic bids here. So, But I don't think you want to come in on knowing that's coming. You don't want to not get into this World Cup. You want to get in, make a good showing in preparation for that World Cup in four and, years. And you've got three nations worth of stadiums to work with. Right. All you know, all that have at least one or several that can match what the, you know, you, you know, you'd want the attendance to be, um, you know, something else I, I haven't looked at everybody's roster, but I would hazard to say Canada's is the one I was curious to look at, but I'll, I'll, I don't, if you look at Belgium squad, Yes. The last names of everybody on that team, it yes. is clear what their heritage is. You mean now Belgian? You, now you now you jump to the United States. And you're not so McKenzie, sure. Zimmerman, Yedlin, Robinson, Cannon, Dest, Acosta, Rolden, De La Torre, McKinney, Musa. Areolas. Like, it, it is yeah. it, it, now, and we know like that doesn't inherently mean anything specifically. No, because you called us a mud nation. Exactly, it suggests it's an amalgamation. It's the, it's the classic melting pot, salad bowl, whatever terms we've used over the you know anthropology of our our country, and so like it takes a special person to figure out. Like it's 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 a pro and a con, right? The pro is you bring all kinds of different types of talent to the table. The con is you got to figure out how to make that work. Because if the system doesn't drive it, and then you just keep finding the right people to fit the system, or you're in that cultural clash of trying to make this, you know, and we've we've said this in constantly in college football. I had the system, but I didn't have the right players. Well, then why did you stay with that system? You know, like <laughs> right? I mean, and that's that's our dilemma is we're, we're somewhere in between those two things. And it quite, it hasn't quite gotten to the, you know, the harmony of the yin and the yang, it, it, it ebbs and flows. And I guess that's probably, that's my suspicion of why the consistency isn't there. Cause as you're tinkering with different players who maybe started playing football, soccer uh, in one region, 
they know this, that, and the other, they're trying to figure out too what their role and identity is in that system. At least with, with college football, you've got three recruiting classes plus that are already in that system, assuming coaching stability. And they're like, Hey, young buck, let me tell you how you're going to fit in. And you've got one, two, maybe three upperclassmen that are all going to help coach and mentor you because they're moving on next year. Right. That isn't quite how the team works. You know, we did it to a fault back with arenas of like, well, Landon Donovan, Landon Donovan, Landon Donovan, like, okay. I like Landon Donovan. I appreciate what he did to help get the sport where, where, you know, the team where it is, but we almost did it to a fault until it finally took some uncomfortableness to go, you're not the starter anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, like right. look at the average ages of some of these these teams. There is like a sweet spot, it seems like, of like the high-end, maybe your goalie high-end, like Tim uh, Howard, I think, was a little older. So he's not there anymore, of course. But, you know, your goalie, okay, 32 for the U.S. team. And then you get down to, to I just don't know how to pronounce his name. It's P-E-P-I, but Ricardo Pepe, mm-hmm. 19. You know, 32 and 19, that's – trying to make all that work in a locker room. Right. Who's, who's the leader. If you're the striker, are you the leader? I don't know. Like right now, if I look at the U S team and I say, who is the heartbeat of this team? Who is the Roy Kent or uh, what was well, in name? the midfield? It's, it's going to be Yedlin for sure. It, you know, but does he own that locker room? Is he able to be like, Hey bro, what the hell? Right. You know, <laughs> Well, if you look at some of your major teams and in terms of top talent, guys that are just generational talent, like you look at a Brazil, you know, probably everything goes through Neymar. You look at an Argentina, everything's going through Messi at the national level. If you look at England, everything's probably going through Harry Kane, Uh, France, everything's going through Paul Pogba in the midfield. Belgian, everything's going through De Bruyne in the midfield. Like they know the guys. Mm -hmm. But when I look at our team, like you said, Yedlin, I look at our team and I go, I don't, and I know Michael Bradley used to be that guy who was never really that guy. And they tried to shoehorn him into being that guy. We we didn't mention Bradley, did we? Or did you? No, and there's a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Kellen Acosta uh, Acosta, um, is probably our strongest midfielder. Or, I mean, he's, he's the one with the most experience, for sure. But, I mean, if you look at some of those teams that I mentioned, those players, while they are generational talent and they are really good, they know their place in the system. There's no question. And everybody that walks into that locker room, like in a Argentina, they know you go through Messi because that's how that team is built. Yeah. De Bruyne here, is 30, 30 years yeah. old, by the way. But here we don't have that. In my opinion, we don't have that. I don't look at our roster. I don't look at anybody on our team and go, that's the guy we go through. That's the guy that's the playmaker. That's the guy that makes a difference. That's the, you know, he's the one the coach says, you dictate field of play, you know, or, or the play that occurs on the field, like that type of thing, where you look at some of these other teams and that's how it works. And they just know. Am I, am I correct in saying he, De Bruyne plays for Manchester City? Yes, he does. And he does the same thing for City that he does for Belgium. He is the playmaker in the midfield. Everything tends to funnel through him. Uh, Paul Pogba plays for Man United. Everything tends to funnel through him in the midfield. Messi plays for PSG. Everything tends to funnel through him in, in the last third of the field. And so they're just built that way. Now, 
obviously you can look at a PSG with Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi and Neymar. I mean, those are three huge names to have on one team. Most teams are not going to have that, but most teams aren't going to have even one of that. <laughs> well, because they're not going to have the, they're not going to have the bankroll to be able to have that. But um, I don't know. I look at our team and, and like I said, I think Grinch, what you said at the outset, the lack of identity and kind of an understanding of where they're at is a cause for concern. Does that mean they don't get into the world cup? No, I can't say by and large that they will not make it. It was a surprise in 2017 when they didn't make it. I would love to see them make it. I'm just not, I'm not sold on it. And that is a concern because again, then you go, well, we're four years out from a, a world cup at home. What if they shit the bed? Do they fire Greg Berhalter and then have to start again with a new coach four I mean, years prior? <laughs> To a World Cup at home, that's not a good. If thing they to don't do. make it, I, I don't know. Burhalter's shown that he's at least trying something different, and I think that's where we needed because we had all these old-minded, old crusty dudes coming in trying to do the same shit over and over and over again, and it clearly was was not a success. So let, let Lexi Lawless do it. Oh fuck right? you! Because I, I know Grinch is a big fan of Alexi Lawless. We can let him do oh, it. Oh god, that <laughs> That's my least favorite thing about World Cup coverage is him. He, he's him the most arrogant. I haven't done a whole lot player. I think I've seen a short of like a Stephen A. or Max Keller, who's never played the sport of any kind yet and has all the fucking answers. Of course, god. You're like you mean like we we think we do sometimes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Hold on. We played like, the sport. Hey, hey, I've told you. We're not above hypocrisy. Okay, okay. Just making sure. I just wanted to. <laughs> it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, and I am not I'm a big man. Wrong. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. You know, I don't know that it was much of a debate. I was curious to see how everybody would feel about this topic, and we'll see how it translates when the listeners listen back to it. Uh, you know, I will support the U.S. men's national team regardless. Obviously being here in the States, being an American, I want them to be successful. I want them to do well, as I'm sure you all do as well. And Haas, I know you said it in the 2018 World Cup. There was there was something nice and relaxing about the fact they didn't make it because you could watch the World Cup in an entirely different way without the stress of what are the men's national team going to do this week in this match. Uh, but I would still like to see them make it. I don't want them to miss two cycles going into a World Cup that's going to be played at home in 2026. So... Uh, I, I think ultimately we've established that some things still need to happen. Some, some tinkering needs to be done as we kind of finish up here in March and these last three games, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, fingers crossed that they can get, I'd love to see three wins, three dominating wins, two away, one at home in Orlando against Panama. I'd love to see all three games be dominant performances by the U S and that way they are hopefully prepared and they're dialed in come November. When the World Cup starts, they're in and they can make a, a nice deep run, like Max said. Deep is always better. I think most women would agree deep is always better. You know, it doesn't have to be hard, but deep is always better. Wide, wide and wide. Okay, wide. wide. Yeah. I didn't know. How do you accomplish one without the- keep telling yourself? Well, I, I'm saying you, you don't you don't have to drill it like a jackhammer. It's like, you can it's just like, it's like, like playing pool with a rope. <laughs> yes. Um, putting a marshmallow in a pig. Oh my <laughs> God. The visuals, the visuals that you create. Thank you for that. Uh, oh, you know, wow. gentlemen, week in and week out, I do appreciate y'all being here as Grinch laughs awkwardly Jesus in the background. Um, I appreciate y'all being here, giving us your hot takes and your perspective you on each of these this. topics. No, no. I just did the off the top right. rope at the end. Thank you, Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, 
And so we will leave you all there. Obviously, all of you masturbators, feel free to drop us a line at the four horsemen at a spirited debate.com. F O U R F O U R horsemen at a spirited debate.com. The four horsemen, please feel free to drop us a line about this topic or any other topic that we've covered. Give us your feedback. If there's a topic you'd like us to debate, please let us know. We'd love to do that. Maybe we can get you on the show and have you come in here behind the curtain and uh, argue your topic with the four of us. Uh, obviously go to our website at aspiriteddebate.com. Check out all the drinks that we have here. You can check out this brand new. I just made it. It is one of a kind, the Paloma Rita Sunrise in honor of the Big Mac, our very own chief margarita officer. Three iconic beverages in one. Feel free to uh, our, go there. Our, our svelte. Yes. Yes. Chief margarita officer. Um, <clears throat> absolutely. The man is, <laughs> he is a fat melting machine in case you weren't sure. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. Um, so yes, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to all our listeners. Love being here. Love doing this with you guys week in and week out. And we will do this again next week. So thank you. information or opinions expressed during the Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests involved and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the hosts or guests may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. While guests are invited to listen, listeners acknowledge that they are not being provided professional advice from the podcast or its guests. The content within the parameters of Aspirited Debate podcast series or any affiliated podcast are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.